the future of photography. Welcome back to the future of photography. I'm Chris. There's Adrian. There's Imar. There's Jeremiah. We're all together at last. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> Ah, this is um, As you can this is the uh, what's the date we're recording this on the second of November, November. election yeah. eve. Not saying anything yeah. else here about this today. <laughs> I just point out that my, I'm growing my hair until I can get it cut safely. So. <laughs> I had a, I had a haircut, as you can see. I was um, but but this, this is like a private thing. We know someone, and this is like this is, not I'm, I'm chasing Greg Ullman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're getting there. <laughs> um, so today it is uh, the next installment in our series, Pictures That Changed or Photos That Changed My Life. Is what was that the official title? I think it's Photos That Changed My, my FOP, my, 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 my Future of Photography. <laughs> I wonder if we're ever going to establish that. <laughs> the FOP. I doubt it. <laughs> but we could try. Oh, <laughs> Halloween as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, visual visual cute gags there, everybody who's only listening on audio. Yeah, he's dressed uh, up as a skeleton today. If if you're on audio, then check check the description. There's a link right at the top that takes you to the video because you don't want to miss Jeremiah being dressed up as a skeleton. Um, <laughs> we said we were going to do that for Halloween. We didn't do it. Yeah. By the way, who's dressed up? You, you know, you know what happened here. What happened here? We um, last time we were shopping, which we do once a week, or which I do once a week. It's my job. I grabbed a few bags of sweets and candy and stuff just in case. Um, we have nobody a showed up. Bowl next to the door, <laughs> and now my diet is ruined because no one is. No one has showed up. No kids have showed up. Nothing. Yeah, so, Halloween was pretty much cancelled here because yeah, because it's just yeah. Why 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 would you? You, uh, th of course these times of all times why would you accept candy from a stranger so, <laughs> so my, my belly is half chocolate at this point yeah. <laughs> yeah it's tragic those kids won't get razor blades this year it's so lovely to have this american perspective here. <laughs> i was about to say that <laughs> okay let's let's yeah. let's let's move that Let's take a turn here towards photography. Adrian, you have brought us uh, photos that changed your future of photography. And yeah, uh, those are photos yes. that you took, uh, right? Yes, these are photos that I took, yes. Uh, two, two um, uh, I possibly could have chosen others, uh, but I think these two were the, when I really thought hard about it, these, these two really fit the, the story, the story I'm going to tell today. So, yeah, picture if you will, <laughs> uh, an enthusiastic but rather amateurish photographer. Um, I don't know if anybody listening knows anybody like that, <laughs> other than me, of course. Yes, like <laughs> But the uh, yeah, so so I had I had been on a photography journey for quite some time, yeah, maybe seven, six, seven years or something, quite a long time for me, because um, uh, photography is something I came to late. And uh, at the point in time I'm talking about, uh, I was quite heavily involved in film photography. Uh, ran a podcast, published a podcast every week on film photography, which I'm currently on a quite long-standing sabbatical from. Uh, and 2016. 
the sunny 16 podcast yes go check it out everybody it's awesome it is still uh, it's still a regular podcast right they didn't stop because you left right oh no no not a, not at all in fact if i recall correctly it took them t- it took two people to replace the the gap that i left there. <laughs> <laughs> possibly because i talked too much i don't know uh no there's but now it's all about digital it's all about digital sunny, now. well su- sunny 16 is is a really thriving <laughs> podcast it's fantastic um and uh yeah there's a good the the it's a great team of people running that, uh, an extended team of people running that. So it's, it's awesome. Go listen to it. Anyway, yes. So I had um, I had been experimenting. I had uh, been experimenting with things like, I mean, obviously with digital cameras, uh, with uh, phone photography, right from the very early days of iPhones when you had about two megapixels to play with. <laughs> I had uh, medium format film cameras of the of the sort of good clear kind, like like a, a Bronica of the slightly less good and clear kind, like Holgers, but lots of fun and all sorts of other stuff in between. Thirty five mil, one ten, instant, all sorts of stuff, and uh, I was enjoying myself. I don't think I was producing much coherent work because I had so much stuff I was enjoying experimenting with. So it's definitely a, a good fun phase, but but not necessarily the most artistic phase ever. Uh, and then, Chris, you and I met. Uh, and uh, we met, of course, on a photography tour that you were running to Bhutan. And uh, that was three years ago right about now in fact actually this day three long? years ago we were in bhutan yeah it was wow. 2017 and uh it was, it was exactly at this time we were we were in bhutan and uh i was shooting there you may recall chris uh and much to the amazement of of most of our fellow travelers i was shooting only 35 mil film <laughs> yeah which which blew me away because these these tours people th- most people who join the tours don't do those a lot so they try to capture as much as they can it's like a frenzy of like don't don't miss a shot because this is kind of a once in a lifetime thing and um and you were quite nonchalant about it with just a few rolls of film and it was it was really really um i really enjoyed that yes yeah, well, as did I. It was an amazing trip. Uh, and if ever that sort of thing becomes allowed again, uh, I would love to go back. Um, I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, the So, yeah, that that was uh, a part of the turning point. The reason I mentioned that trip is because one of the photos that I'm going to talk about today, actually, I took on that trip. In fact, um, it could have picked any number of, 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 uh, of the top half dozen best photos or favourite photos I took on that trip. But, uh, but I have chosen one. Uh, and uh, it was um, it was a, it was an amazing thing. I really trusted those thirty five mil cameras. I I put my faith in in the X ray machines. Those rolls of film went through about I think I calculated something like fifteen X ray machines, <laughs> and some of them were yeah because of where we were. Some of them were the really old fashioned clunky kind, although possibly they were less strong in their X rays uh, because of that. But they were you know often you'd have to scan your bags to get into the airport, then you'd have to scan your bags to get onto the plane and and all sorts <laughs> of stuff like that. So so I was a bit worried that the film would come out um, uh, a bit uh, a bit the worse for but it didn't um you'd never know to be honest uh i was did shooting very slow film lead? but did you use lead bags or, nope. or or any protection at all no i just threw it in my carry-on shoved it through the x-ray machine and was fine <laughs> i was shooting uh ektar 100 and uh the 
the Daylight 250 Kodak motion picture. I can't remember what it's called now. So, uh, so a, relatively low ISO, not, not 1600, not 3200. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. That would have been a problem. I so think. Uh, it would have been a problem. So, Chris, with the magic of your of your fantastic new video switcher, possibly you could show the, the Bhutan photo. Um, <laughs> for those that, that are listening in audio, this, this is a photo of, of two monks. Uh, and they are engaged in uh, uh, learning, learning activities, studying activities, but particularly uh, sculpture and painting. Um, and this was one of the monasteries that we visited in Bhutan. And these guys were doing the most exquisite work. They really were um, uh, fi very fine, detailed sculptures, in incredibly precise painting. It was, it was just beautiful. It really was. And they were working so hard. Um, this photo is taken indoors in, in what was actually very, very low light. If you look at it closely, it's probably got a bit of camera shake on it because I was shooting it at quite low ISO with a, a lens wide open as well. You know, the the the, the focal plane is, is wafer thin. Um, but that's all good. Right. And I this picture, uh, I, I like to think it's a bit aesthetically pleasing. Um, but mm. for me, of course, it has a load more that it carries with it than that it carries the whole experience with it which of course is is part of the joy of travel photography uh and that that is um you know a picture that i was really pleased with the way it came out you know, the way it captured the atmosphere that was in that particular place that we visited so that's one of my pictures and um, and uh, just just uh, to add to that i'm the moment I saw this picture, I was back there. I was like, it, mm -hmm. it instantly took me back there because I remember that place very, very well. And uh, that that little room that they were in, I mean, they were they were making these still sculptures out of flour and and stuff. That was like like a That's dough right, yeah. kind of thing that they used to do that for. It was some offering, something something with buddhism and it they, was they were they were offerings weren't they yes that's right yes, i think they, i think they burned them didn't they um, and in the in the background it's those those prayer whatever are they prayer slabs those mm -hmm. um like books but but not bound just individual um pieces of paper stacked yeah. on top of each other and, and this whole thing yeah it really the memories of that specific place are really strong in me and uh yes. you, you captured that you you captured a photo that brings all that back very very clearly for me you know as somebody who's never seen this picture before mm. my, my reaction to it is that its effect is so good because of its informal composition the fact that it has some camera shake mm. means that it, it, it i feel the quote author's presence in it in other words it, it <laughs> yeah. feels very dynamic and alive rather than a formal perfectly uh, composed perfect in quotation marks i'm a, um, I, i'm a fan of that long thin table because it is like a landing strip uh -huh. for your eyes right it kind of yeah. pulls you in yeah yeah, they were, they yeah, and the color is a nice. Um, the there's so much going on in this mm. in this frame, and yet it doesn't feel disjointed. It feels focused, mm. and everything, the color, the light, all brings you to uh, the monk working. And then there's um, for, and for me, good. then there's a, there's a pattern mismatch because um, in right in the yeah. middle, there's this thing that I match. My my brain matches with the chessboard. <sighs> But of course, it isn't. It's <laughs> yeah. parts of sculptures, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it is um and, and yeah it was uh, there were a couple from this room two or three actually i could have chosen that there's another one uh where which is um because uh, this is only one corner of the room but any, anyway so to just uh, i was very very kind comments there from everybody um i'll come back to the why i've chosen this and, and actually what you know how it changed my thinking in a minute but i'd just like to introduce the the second photograph there are only two so i won't won't keep all our audio listeners in suspense <laughs> f- f- yeah. for too long so this is a photograph this second one uh is a digital photograph uh and this was taken around the same time, actually, I think, uh, you know, a couple of months either side. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly. Uh, this is a picture that I took for the light. Uh, this is a picture of my son. Uh, it's, it's taken in a hotel room. We were, we were on one of our, uh, you know, hmm. annual or twice annually uh, visits to Scotland to catch up with family and, and, and see that. And so we were staying in a hotel. So you can see he's he's sitting. It's one morning. He's he's sitting up in bed reading a book. Uh, he happens to be by a window, uh, and there's a very soft north light falling on him. Um, and I just I, I I was stood I think uh, at the doorway of of this room. We had like a little bungalow to stay in or something like that. And and I just I I walked past the door and thought blimmin' And luckily I had a camera in my hand and was able to take a photo and capture the moment, capture the light. So this is not staged in any way. Uh, this is a this is a an opportunistic photo. And the reason I love it is for the colours really um uh, and uh, the softness and the softness of the light and that's it yes of course i love it because it's my boy and he's my boy mm. but, like, <laughs> but there is that real kind of tenderness to it like it's beautiful and it's like a painting the light is like a painting isn't it and all that fabric doesn't it kind of looks like yeah so those lovely. are unmade beds but thank you that's yeah. great <laughs> <laughs> i like that though that tells part of the story doesn't it to, to me, it does. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, you know, you've got a photo. And Winnie of the boy. Pooh over there. Is that Winnie the Pooh? Uh, it might be. It's or like a teddy Winnie bear or something uh. like that. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> that, that, that probably actually that bed in the background was probably the bed my daughter was sleeping in or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we, we travel, share bedrooms and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Do you it, remember uh, the director, Hugh Hudson, English commercial director, did a very famous commercial for Hovis Bread? Is that uh, um, well? There, there are several, but is that the one of the guy walking up the very steep hill? I don't. I really don't recall. But he did a series of them, and North Light or that soft, mm-hmm. soft directional light uh, that we in America would call English light. Oh, would you? <laughs> really? Because <laughs> it has no sunlight in it. <laughs> well, even better than that, this one was shot in Scotland. <laughs> well, we would, we would attempt, when I started doing com- uh, you know, commercials, uh, uh, we, we would often try to emulate this kind of tonality um, uh, as being something that wraps around the subject that is very, very um, inviting and, and also embracing yeah interesting um, well so so we call it an, a north light simply because it's it's a light that you would get from a north facing window uh <laughs> yeah because you you wouldn't get direct sunlight in the northern hemisphere you expect well as, as far north as the uk is you very rarely get direct sunlight through a north facing window only at, only for short periods in a day uh and so uh yeah it's known locally here uh, as a north light um it's uh yeah it's it, it it is just just the light really that's what this photo is about for me um so so there we got two photos right so we've got a photo that i took on uh you know the the only um purpose 
purposeful photography tour that I've ever been on, uh, but to one of the most amazing places uh, I've ever been to in, in the whole world. Um, an, an amazing trip. Another one, which is almost a, 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 certainly it's a casual capture. You know, it's something I noticed and captured and, you know, and ended up being a photo that stuck in my mind. Uh, and and certainly was one uh, that has prompted this d- discussion today. And and I guess now I I should probably describe the link between these two photos and why it is that they you know changed the future of photography for me. Um, I think f- first place to start with all of that actually is to go back to what happened shortly afterwards. Um, uh, and broadly speaking, what happened shortly afterwards was the whole of twenty eighteen, of course. <laughs> but I hardly took any photos in twenty eighteen. And I didn't know why. At first, I wasn't even aware of it. Uh, and then sort of partway through the year, I thought, ah, I'm struggling here. Yo, I'm running a weekly pot- photography podcast. Actually, by this point, too, because we were doing Sunny 16 and we were doing you know, the very beginnings uh, of this podcast of TFOP. And I thought to myself, I've got two weekly photography podcasts <laughs> and I never take any photos. What's that about? <laughs> That's, um, yeah, don't have time. something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> it did give me pause for thought yeah and i'm just thinking why, why is that and uh, i did struggle i struggled for the whole of 2018 and i didn't actually find a solution in 2018 so as it got towards the end of the year uh i i made myself a, a sort of half-assed new year's resolution really. <laughs> uh and uh i said okay i'm gonna actually make an effort to take more photos in 2019 and I'm going to climb back up that hill. And it did feel like I was climbing up a hill a bit because it felt like it was hard work. It really did. Uh, but I, I managed to get there. I, I did it through through two things, really. Um, one was to try and remove the friction in taking a photograph. And the other was to try and remove the analysis paralysis. So in 2019, I got back on the wagon, if that's the right turn of phrase, uh, by doing more in the world of digital photography because i hadn't really shot much digital for quite some time so i was doing more digital uh, and that would mean it was easier to capture photos i didn't have to think too hard about it and that was hopefully to remove some of the creative block you know and in the film photography world uh, i focused down to only shooting instant film so I put the 35 mil cameras away. I put the Bronica away. I put the uh, Holgers away. Uh, they all got used once or twice that year, tops. Uh, and I focused my film photography on instant film. And I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed that, by the way. So that, that, that was good. Uh, and, I, and I finally felt like I was sort of you know, climbing up the hill. Um, it was only partway through 2019 that I felt I started to understand what had happened. Uh, and I think... Two things. Uh, the Bhutan element and the reason I chose the Bhutan shot was simply that I'd had such an amazing experience. When I came home, everything felt a bit flat and not particularly worthy of taking a photograph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, the second the second one, the, the, the digital one, the Scottish photo, um, uh, was because I thought to myself, do you know what? I, I, that was a run and gun shot, right? It happened to be with a digital camera. I've been I've been shooting film photography for all these, yeah, for for the last few years almost exclusively, um, and you know I can do this with digital. Uh, I, I can actually make these photographs and make and make them work to it to a way that I like if I if I try hard enough. And so the two things there, one is that 
I just felt I had too much choice. And, you know, if I had to choose, if I, if I was thinking about going out and shooting some photographs, if I had to choose between 10 different types of camera, and I've never been a camera collector, I never had more than two of the same type, you know, um, uh, and most types of camera I only had one of. Uh, the But it was just too much. It was taken away from the creativity if I had to make those choices. And so I decided I would have to, you know, slim it, slim it down. Um, I probably some of the realization came from, you know, there's, there's a, there was a big trend at the time for minimalism. I mean, there still is, but you know, it was something that I had caught, uh, uh, um, caught, caught sight of this trend, this, uh, this trend for minimalism that was starting to become a bit more mainstream. Um, and, uh, yeah, interesting. So what did I do about it? Uh, in 2020, early, early this year, uh, I sold almost all my film cameras. Uh, which horrified a lot of people. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember, what are you doing? You'll never get those back. They'll never make them again. And I said, yeah, but they're stopping me from taking photographs. <laughs> All these cameras that I've got are stopping me from making photographs. So I need to get rid of them. And also because these things are you know, getting rarer and rarer, of course, especially ones in good condition, uh, and mine were, um, they're better to go to somebody who's actually going to use them. Yeah, it's and, interesting. Do you, did you feel that um, ha getting rid of gear and getting uh, a different set of gear re-inspired you to look at the world in a slightly different way? And, and a follow-up to that is, and this is to the entire gang, are there days where you do not take pictures? Okay, well, I'll have a go at the first question. Um uh, ideally, I would only own one camera at this point uh, because then I'd never have to think about it. Uh, I'm not quite there, so I, I, I retain uh, a, a good quality digital camera. As I talk about quite frequently, I happen to use, happily use Fuji's um, and uh, I, I recently upgraded to an X-T3, a used X-T3 because it had some of the video capabilities I needed for my new professional life as a video conferencer. Um, uh, I, the one I was never going to get rid of is my little Olympus Tough camera because you can make photographs with that that you uh, uh, that you can't make with anything else i mean i some of the you know just bobbing around in the sea for example it comes with a wrist strap that's a flotation device i don't know if any of you have ever stood on on the deck of a boat and deliberately thrown a camera into the sea have any of you done that I not deliberately haven't tried that yet <laughs> it is one of the scariest things you could do but also just amazing you know it's such a different way to treat a camera um and uh, not chris perhaps not the kind of seas that you you re you <laughs> frequented you know north of norway and all of that but <laughs> but um, in my case the mediter the mediterranean sea is a perfectly good place to throw I've, a camera i've stood on the deck of ships <laughs> where where the sea was trying to uh, get a hold of my camera and i as uh, i have yes, yes. But, and <laughs> so, i've done so, a bit of camera tossing maybe that counts <laughs> maybe so so to try and to try and actually not forget about jeremiah's question do i feel that getting new kit has made a difference actually no the difference because i haven't really bought new kit i don't have what well, whilst i do have a, an upgraded camera it's, it's almost identical to the old one i had um so i don't consider it new um 
uh, what I think is that in uh, what I going back to what I realized, the, the, the turning point, the change in my future of photography was, was that um, the photo in Bhutan, uh, as as positive as I felt about it, could have been taken with pretty much literally any camera. Right. Uh, and the photo of my son captured on the fly uh proved that i could do that with digital whereas for a long time i had been uh, i had been not a fan of the aesthetic that came from digital cameras but i think digital cameras have so improved over the last decade and and especially aesthetically over the last three to five years uh that the, the, there came a point of realization that you know that actually the aesthetic edge i felt i had by shooting film was nowhere near as big as it had been previously and so i think it was about having fewer cameras less equipment that made me more creative it was the equipment that was causing the blockage mm. interesting mm. Mm. interesting yeah does anybody else feel that way i i'm the opposite <laughs> I, I i love i love having a lot of gear um and i do not feel obliged to use all of it so i'm with you it's it's it, it's it's but it's a thing that took a while and i've i'm completely with you adrian that at at one time or up to a certain time the the amount of choice was a blocking factor for me And I found my way around that by by just by by changing that equation inside my mind. So some of those things that I have around are just not being counted into that whole thing. They're just here, and that doesn't for, bother for, me too, too much. Yeah, now. for the audio people, I'm nodding in, in agreement. <laughs> nodding sagely, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I'm nodding sagely, yes. But 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 it is a thing that I, I had to go through that. I had to go through that in order to end up on the other side, kind of mm. being able to handle that. Um, I had to oversaturate myself. And now I don't feel the need to sell stuff. But I, yeah, I, it just doesn't, I, I don't know, I compartmentalize things easily yeah, I, guess. i think every, i think it's i don't have any regrets uh, of what happened oh, yeah, i yeah. don't regret buying lots of fam uh, cameras and doing lots of experimentation with my photography or anything like that i had a thoroughly good time doing it but neither do i regret selling cameras that oh. i may not if I, if i wanted them back i may never be able to get those kinds of cameras ever again or at least not at that quality uh you know or, and, and not at an affordable price but I, i i don't i don't regret that at all i'd rather move forward Mm. then move back and it's an incredibly freeing experience i mean the when when i moved in with monica i sold and dumped like three quarters of what i owned it just went away and that was so freeing i was like yeah a breath of fresh air i did i did something similar i you know when i when i had my eye on the leica q2 which is by no means an inexpensive <laughs> camera. Um, I really did take a look at, I didn't, like I have a film Leica and I have a monochrome Leica, but I, I, I wanted sort of an everyday carry that, that could do a lot of things. With. But I, I really couldn't justify the, the expense. But then I, I kind of drilled down on the gear that I really wasn't using and... It was liberating. I sold almost enough to purchase it. So it was free. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Emer, when you upgraded to your new phone mm. recently, which is a sort of a gear topping off in, in, in its way, yeah, yeah, did it inspire you to go out and look at the world in a different way, or just take more pictures, or experiment with it? I'd say take more pictures. Like you all know that I very much think of myself as an amateur, so the gear doesn't really matter to me so much. It's just uh, like uh, it's. And more of an unconscious thing. It's just something I do. It's not, I don't plan it out. And like you, you asked there a few minutes ago, do you take, do you take photographs every day or other days when you don't take photographs? Yeah. Very, very few days where I don't take photograph. But that's yeah, because what I have is right in my pocket when I want to. So I don't have to go off finding a bag, bring it all with me, set it all up. I just very much do it on the fly. Um, do, do I think that it changed? No, I don't think it made me see the world any differently. It probably, um, just to kind of having a bit more, um, um, you know, having the wide angle and stuff, that's definitely changed. Uh, I, I didn't think I'd use that as much as I am in the beginning, but I, I do find I'm, it's, I'm, I'm going to like that wide look now and even even that sort of distorted that thing that it sometimes does I like that too there's an interesting show actually I, I don't know if we've done this before I don't think we have like um the aesthetics of something versus is it technically right or not <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that'd be an interesting that yeah, would be an interesting you know, discussion yeah. sure yeah I mean you know what, what's interesting is uh when we're talking about massive gear um because I I Admittedly, own. I think if gear. I had all that gear, I'd probably want to use it, or, or, well, or make it bamboozled and not use any of it. You know? <laughs> Possibly, though. I I feel that if I was kind of to rummage through Chris's cupboard, I I, I would find gear very similar to my own. It's like, <laughs> you mean, you oh mean, my god, look, which, look at this camera. Which, which of the used. cupboards are you referring to? There are several. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, um, but but I I was. You know, I've I've always been kind of attracted to kind of just on the technical side, new kinds of cameras, more as an intellectual kind of thing. When I have been really drilled down and, and, and working on, on a film, on a long film shoot, say 100 days or or something, I, I find it very difficult to, in in my quiet times, to read a novel or, or, or even his you know, historical documents, because my, my head is so focused on the storytelling, the characters, and I, I just don't want to get out of that mindset. Mm. But if I have some time, and this is going to sound very nerdy and weird, but I can read a technical manual um, quite enjoyably and easily and really digest it in a way that, that I take it into myself. So after, say, a few weeks of, of distraction by reading a technical manual, I really own what I need to do about that shot or about that camera. Now, now but, you see me nodding. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes, for the I do. And I, I, I say this because I know I have a compadre there. The, I did learn a lot about the, the limitations of having a, a lot of gear as a film director. Often, you know, I've I've been lucky because I've worked on very large budget productions where I had anything I wanted, 
you know what I mean, um, from the most elaborate uh, cameras and, and lighting and hanging, just whatever you can imagine, to working on very small budgets where I really had to decide what's important. And as I started to kind of explore what my choices were on a big budget film, and it's it's even more than the gear because I'll, I'll, this is a sidebar, but it really does affect my reaction to your initial Adrian's initial image. That what I did find that if I had unlimited time to shoot a scene, and unlimited choice of gear of how to do it, or I had just a half an hour to shoot a scene and I had to make the best of it with a very limited amount of gear, that over my professional life, one did not make one's work better or worse. There was literally no correlation between having unlimited choice and a narrow choice in how something turned out. It was being present in the moment and 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 really sub sublimating but that comes that also that comes experience. down to down down to your personality and how you deal with things i'm pretty sure there are people if they get too much choice they will just sit in a corner uh and <laughs> and not know what to do make a podcast well, about it instead of doing it yeah yeah <laughs> well, I mean, certainly if, you know if you're asked as a uh, say a less experienced uh director or photographer and they come up to you and say like uh okay we're going to do a master uh, you know this scene blah, blah blah where should we put the camera where do you want it someone who doesn't have that kind of experience would be like well let's just get everything out and let's put this on the big crane and not really understanding that that decision will take an hour and a half everything has to be balanced and that will eat into the creative process of Talking with an actor. Well, the same thing happens when you're exploring, and we'll do a sub, we'll do a podcast on so storytelling as photography. But when you're involved in telling a story or want to capture um, more than just a single image, speed and and kind of sublimating to the the world you're in uh, makes so much difference. Being allowed in, which means Travel with a light foot, travel with a light hand. Mm -hmm. Don't be imposing all the technical walls around you. On the other hand, when I was a fashion photographer, uh, say for Italian Vogue, I, you know, going to Venice and taking over half of Piazza San Marco and putting up all the lights, why not? Yeah, <laughs> that in there. Yes, so there was a different kind of enjoyment. Um, but but learning how gear can affect you rather than you affecting it is is a lifelong lesson. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point, sort of, with Adrian now, where I could reach into any bag, whether it's a instant camera, just a pinhole. It doesn't matter to me what you gave me and send me out on my way and said, just come back with an hour with something that is expressive. And I'm confident that I could do it. I, I don't really care about the gear, but I appreciate exploring new ways of seeing. And that, that's really it. So, mm -hmm. Adrian, after the 
hiatus in 2018 and coming back in 2019. Um, what's it like now? And and, and <laughs> let's let's not talk pandemic, okay? That's a different story. No, 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 no. So ready to go out. <laughs> gen genuinely, it's better, right? In the first half of this year, I sold eight, nine, ten cameras, something like that. Uh, and uh, now, when I go to my camera drawers, the cupboards, uh, the cupboard is bare almost. <laughs> but that's a good thing. Uh, for me, that that has turned out to be a good thing. I am shooting a lot more. Um, I'm shooting a lot more with my phone. Um, you know, and of course, every uh, uh, anybody with a Twitter account will have seen that I recently did a, a, a 30 days of hipstamatic experiment, uh, just using you know one phone app uh, and shooting the majority of what I did. I did other things on the side, but but very low volume. I just thought, okay, I'm going to focus down on this, and. It's it's worked for me. Uh, getting rid of the the kit means that I no longer have to think about what I'm going to pick up. Um, uh, you know, it's, if if it's either uh, if it's either an underwater camera, uh, a phone, if I'm just doing normal, yeah, you know, walking around, or if I if I particularly want to, I'll pick up my my good camera, as I can call it now, because I only have one good mm -hmm. camera now. <laughs> so, um, and uh, next step uh, is to hit the the buy button on one of the new phones that's just being launched. Still not quite decided on which one, but seeing as I have a five year old iPhone 6s at the moment. Uh, anything I buy right now in terms of a new phone is going to be a major camera upgrade. And I'm looking forward to having more than one focal length in a film and a phone, sorry, uh, being able to shoot at night, uh, all, all sorts of things that I'm looking forward to out of that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely headed towards Ema's view of the photography world right <laughs> now, um, rather than Chrissy's Oops. view of the photography world right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's, Wrap this up with our picks of the week. How about that? Uh, let me see. We have... Yeah, everyone has handed in a pick. And Adrian, why, why don't we just stay with you here? So... Okay, it's right. Well, I, <laughs> Yay. It's so, so this is a really obvious one. I think it's probably been my pick of the week more than once recently. Um, I'm just using it a lot. I treated myself to a new hipster pack at the weekend just to have new things to explore. What'd you get? Is it a new one? No, it's, the, it's still I'm still on the the classic app. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just because I know how it works. To be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, so we'll see see how that goes. Um, cool. uh, just just for a few bits and bobs. So I did my my thirty day hypsomatic experiment. Uh, shake to randomize. Uh, frustrating at times. Really, uh, really um, happy happy accidents at other times. Uh, and it now probably I gave you a good sense of what what you like the look of, though, did it? In the different, it does, um, uh, it you know, did. combinations and things. It did, and so I, I've learning. moved it down to a few saved favourites now, mm. a few saved confidence, and and it also helped me just even more move that blocker away um, because it doesn't, you know, it you can see mm. a patch of light on the ground, or you can see you know a shadow somewhere, or mm. or a bright colour somewhere, and you just say, I'm just going to snap that, uh, you know, and and it, it, it's great. So, so that's my other pick. My, that's my first pick. My second pick um, is possibly going to be the subject of my next photo assignment uh, because in our home this weekend, uh, for the first time, we got some gerbils. 
<laughs> so we now have three gerbils living in the living room in a cage uh, and uh, I've got a feeling they're going to be really hard to take photographs of because they move like lightning. <laughs> burst mode. <laughs> burst okay. mode, definitely yeah. burst mode. Oh, and, and by the way, as you as you brought up Hipstamatic, um, this is, I think, the right time to point everyone to our showcase channel on our Discord where... Um, there's, I think it has turned, almost has turned into a hipstermatic channel at this point. Yeah, it has, or at the very least, a phone photo for yeah, photography. Yeah, which de- yes. definitely has. Which is totally fun. Fine. And you inspired this, and uh, I challenged you uh, this morning on your. Uh, on your gerbil. You did, yes. I think you have I a slightly unfair. A I think I you have a slightly unfair a advantage because your squirrel is both a lot larger than my gerbils and is tame. <laughs> Is it? It's a wild animal. Yeah. No, well, it's a wild animal. It just knows it me just very happens well. to live in your yard. Yeah, I know. I have yeah. to show you my hedgehogs <laughs> now. I, I, I you have hedgehogs? Not this year, but last year we had like uh, five baby hedgehogs oh, in cool. the garden. Oh. I think the mommy got squished. Oh. No, I did. Um, yeah, so we fed them for ages and then they all got fat and ran away. But they were <laughs> tiny and the cats were terrified of them, even though they were tiny and they were just so cute when they'd all gather around the plate i have some pictures i'll put one in okay speaking of of hipstamatic has anybody tried to emulate a hipstamatic lens filter combo in a photo um editing Um, uh, software why why would you do why would you do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you're going to use your real camera to get long time ago look. i've done that yes <laughs> with success or not um some level of success but <laughs> some level i've tried uh, i i've ne- i've gotten close i think so most exactly. most of them seem to me to be a mixture of algorithms and layers that it's not one thing yeah. or the other so it's i would no, imagine it's, it's quite hard i to... ended up with seven or eight layers of things and yeah, yeah. so did i but yeah. i've never gotten it exact never so there's mm-hmm. an art to that for sure yeah absolutely <laughs> um so my pick of the week i'll elbow my way in here and uh, it's a podcast episode studio c41 another film photography podcast mm-hmm. which um yeah. had an episode on there recently and it's an interview with clyde butcher clyde butcher photographer uh from well he's in florida i think um well-known photographer shoots black and white shoots film and he's he's I think 79 now. Um, he was be- became famous for his for his um, pictures of the Everglades with his 8x10 camera, super wide-angle stuff, um, very large prints. Um, and the the reason I'm picking this is well, first of all, I've uh, I've known about him for quite a while, and second, the interview is so so full of of anecdotes and no bs about photography this guy is so down to earth and when you hear him t- tell the story about when he back in the i think 60s switched to color because everyone did including Ansel adams and uh, they uh, all went color and he tried to for some commercial success and he just decided to sell clocks photo clocks like put put a <laughs> <laughs> put put some put a clock on the photo and sell it and he became very commercially successful by by selling those i think through sears and uh, we're, we're talking in some days a thousand clocks a day which is a thousand wow. photos a day which is like a way to bring photography into people's uh houses which wasn't 
a thing back then for a while. Interesting. So, really, really interesting mm. interview. Um, and yeah, I recommend. I will. Yeah, I, I, I was always in awe of him. And, and when we did our slow photography um, episode, he was my other pick for. Mm just the amount of labor it takes to move one of those cameras into the Everglades or into like the swamp. Oh, there's photos of him with like, like these, these long pants on where he stands yeah, in the, in the, in the swamp up to his belly and the camera and, just, and the bugs, the bugs. Yeah. This oh, is yeah. Everywhere. yeah. So yeah. yeah, Clyde Butcher definitely worth checking out. And definitely, that interview yes, is a good yeah. start into into that um adrian and uh, now jeremiah how about your pick of the week uh yeah i just thought uh, <laughs> this is something that's coming up soon a drone disguised uh, as a hummingbird what the heck <laughs> you don't want to build specialty cameras for specialty shooting <laughs> uh you know don't leave home without it um you know i i i i i chose this because I, I think that as in my dystopian sensibility, which for some reason has kind of come over me over the last few months, year, um, I, I, I think that the militarization of drone uh, cameras and bugs and uh, those kinds of assets were going as lenses and chips become smaller and our ability to control them both you know, both for good, which is um, monarch butterfly swarms. And if anybody has ever experienced those, they're pretty amazing. Um, but uh, I just thought, oh, look at that. That's that's how you photograph wildlife up close. And um, mm. there you go. Oh, no. Just always like that. This is wild. Actually, that's it's crazy. Wild, yeah, I've heard, yeah, great. <laughs> Is it a, is that a technique in, wild, it, in wildlife um, filming now, or do they use those? That are, they really should. Oh, there, there's a <laughs> lot. Of, there's a lot of remote vehicles in in Africa yeah. with bloody like, like those yeah. elephant yeah. cams and RC cars <laughs> with cameras on them that they that then get chewed up by tigers <laughs> and that kind of yeah. yeah 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 exactly. But but you know I think uh, as it gets more. You know, when they make them out of feathers and put scents on them and, you know, maybe... Yeah. The only thing you won't I, get I rid of is the noise of a drone. I did wonder about that, actually. Yeah. Well, maybe. But then I don't know what, what butterflies think about noise. Maybe they don't care. Possibly. Yes. Who knows? All right, Imar, yours hey. is the last one. I was thinking about the kind of storytelling narrative episode when I found this. So um, it's it's interesting. Um, it's like uh, an article about whether a single image is is, a, is it possible to te to tell a story with a single image, which uh, right. I very much think it is. But which is better, you know? Um, interesting. I, I I absolutely strongly say that it is absolutely. Mm. Um, uh, a, a way of telling a story. I mean, I think actually Adrian's picture of his little boy it, it demonstrates that very well because there's a real story in that for me. That uh, if I was to choose any one image I've seen lately, there's a I lot mean, going just, on in it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things or, pointing at different, you know. Historically, the Vietnam War produced yeah. some single images, and and there, there's an incredible image going back to 
politics here for a sec, um, of that little um, boy or girl crying, looking up at some border guard that mm. is in color that has been around the world showing the... That's um, very interesting, um, powerful, the Brexit picture. Yeah. Okay. There, there's just, mm. uh, yes, you could tell a story in an image. Mm. Okay, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the photos here. I can't stop. Yeah, yeah, Chris has gone quiet now because he's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm immersed because yeah, those, those photos tell stories. Not not uh, sometimes even several stories per photo. So yeah, it is yeah def definitely tell, telling mm. stories with one picture. Absolutely. Even though even though the video is taking over a bit now. I mean, everyone has the, a video camera in the pocket and they are using it. They use it mm. all the time now. I mean, you, you see um, people just, just out of a reflex turning on the video recording if something <laughs> potentially interesting is about uh, to moving, happen. Moving pictures will never catch on. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, anyway, this, I think... Uh, is a good close to the episode 154 of the future photography adrian thank you so much for sharing your pictures and your stories um oh, you're most welcome thank you for listening oh absolutely <laughs> and with that um thanks all for joining in um you can continue the discussion add your own photos show things and uh, even suggest topics over on our discord um, all the links are in the description or right on on your screen if you're watching the video we're on twitter at tfop now we're on insta tfop now and of course at thefuturephotography.com in your web browser and in your uh, podcast client of choice so until next time everyone take care and bye-bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye now. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Bye.